We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience Week 7 Rankings, Breakdown, and Debate. If you out there want to get into a draw for 20 DK dollars, toi, la con français, come on français, ways to do so. One, smash the like button for the episode, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, and tell me your favorite sleeper wide receiver for the Week 7 Fantasy Football Week. That easy. Way number two to do so, the easiest way to win one of these draws, because frankly no one does it, and it's the most important to keeping the show free, is leave a five-star audio review for the audio podcast. Subscribe to it while you're up there anyway. There's bonus content on the podcast feed. All the stuff that gets cut out of the video version goes up on the audio feed, so there's some fun stuff that you may miss if you're only watching the video. So, so, so subscribe to the Pat Mayo audio podcast five-star review something nice about the show DraftKings handle boom you'll be in that draw for 20 dk bucks also the race for 10,000 instagram followers is on i'm halfway there i want to get up to 10,000 before the end of football season so i can monetize the account which is apparently like the level that you need to get to then i'll just have ads all over your feed you can probably unfollow after that but follow me at the pme heart one of the sports photos that goes up there leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section boom you too will be in a draw for 20 DK bucks. I will announce the winners live on Monday show. Every single Monday, waiver wire recap, NFL recap. Look ahead to Monday night and Thursday night football, 1 p.m. Eastern time on the DraftKings YouTube channel up later on said audio feeds. All right, enough of that. Jake Seeley from The Athletic is on the line. What's going on, my man? Uh, not too much. It's weeks, almost halfway through already. Does it... Maybe it's me, and maybe this just feels the same way every single year, but I was talking with this with someone like the other day, that this season seems to really be flying by. Like, normally, I can't remember what point it is during the season when I just absolutely turn on football and hate it so much, but I feel like it's usually before <laughs> this, but I'm still, like, fired up, ready. I think I'm having, like, an all right year, so I'm, like, fired up again. Last year was horrible. This year, going better, so I think I have the enthusiasm once again. Yeah, I understand that from a different way. Like I never get tired of firing up and watching on TV. It's like that point where you get to the same questions and you're just like, oh my God, it's the same questions over and over and over and over again. But I kind of took from you, from your example, and at the top of my articles now, I post the link to the trade advice and the weather breakdown and stuff. So I could just reference it instead of answering the same question every single week. So you've actually saved me some work. Thank you, Pat. But I feel, here's where I feel like it's not, really like it's going so quick because like waiver wire really feels like it more barren than it ever has by week seven in years past. And maybe that's just a weird perspective, but I don't remember it ever feeling like week seven. I can't believe we're talking about Jason Witten as a top pickup type stuff. 
Yeah, it, well, it's it's twofold, really. One, there's been a lack of gigantic top-end injuries. Like, the only really big one that we've had that people blew their waiver budget on was Wayne Gallman when Saquon Barkley went down. But I think right. we're just seeing that once we, like, I release the snap shares every single Monday and you look at them, there's, like, four running backs that get over 80% of their team snap shares. There's so many committees that even if one guy does go down, it doesn't necessarily translate onto the next guy like it used to two, three, four years ago. Like, even if Dalvin Cook goes out this week and he's out for the season yeah madison becomes the number one pickup that's not to say that he's going to play 90 percent of the snaps abdullah probably plays 40 percent with the way things go now yeah and that's the big thing too is it's not just everything you just said on top of that a lot of these guys are already owned so you i mean i usually in my way recall them, i have droppables i just this is the first week at running back i said there's really nobody you can drop right now like if you really want to make a case for Kenyon drake for the fact that they're starting to give walton touches I mean, I guess if you're desperate, you can, but we're already at the point now where it's like, who are you dropping? Because you need to own everybody who's at least getting 30, 40% of the snaps because otherwise, who else are you dropping? You're dropping handcuffs, and that's really all that's out there now. Even players like Chase Edmonds, he's widely available on waiver wires, and when I say widely available, he's available in like 60% of leagues. That's really about it. And like in years past, Chase Edmonds just straight up would not be owned. No, and that's the case with a lot of them. Like, Raquel Armstead is owned in a lot of leagues now because people are smartly investing in these guys who would have a heavy workload. Like, Madison's been highly, not highly to the point of 60-plus percent, but in that 40 to 50 percent range for weeks on end now. If you had to rank the handcuffs for the rest of the season, like the best ones to own in case someone plays in a shallow league out there, a 10-team, maybe a thin 12-team league. Uh, thin, like a Twizzler. It's not small. However, that's, that's like twice <laughs> that's in two, two weeks two weeks now. in a yeah, row. Two weeks in yeah. a row. Uh, I mean, if you can drop any sort of Deuce Bigelow references, you, you got to jam them in. It's, it's only on the Pat Mayo experience that this is still a movie that carries some water. However, it's like Armstead, Madison. I know there's Edmonds, I guess, is definitely one that would be up there, yeah. too. Like, who are the Pollard. other? Yeah, Pollard. Gallman. I would say, I would say yeah, Gallman, if he's back and healthy. I really do think that Gus Edwards, if anything happened to Mark Ingram, would see a lot more than Justice Hill, though Justice Hill would be sprinkled in more than he is now. Uh, and after that, I mean, it gets really like, Gio. Gio and I, Gio, yeah, he should be. But I mean, that office is so missed. Like somebody asked me the, in the waiver column, they're like, should I pick up Gio in case Joe Mixon loses his job? I'm like Joe Mixon's not losing his job. It's just the Bengals offense and offensive line are God awful. Like Gio's not going to do any better. I guess Jamal Williams, too, although he's more in a split. He's not really a handcuff. But if something was right. to happen to Aaron Jones, it would probably be like 75% Jamal Williams. Yeah, because when we saw Jamal Williams was out and Aaron Jones was a little banged up, like they didn't even really do much with Dexter Williams. They uh, turned to, oh, shoot, the other one. They, they didn't even turn to Dexter. I can't even think of the other guy's name that they turned to in that game now. I, I, oh, I, I believe it's Trey Carson. Is that the guy? Yeah, Trey Carson. Thank you. Um, the, I'll give you one more. Deion Lewis, if Derrick Henry went down. Maybe. Like, I, it feels there's like nothing, they hate There's Dion really Lewis. nothing else on the, there's nothing else on that roster. Yeah. That's the problem. Oh, maybe we'll see. Did they haven't made a decision yet on whether it's Mar- Mariota or Tannehill, have they? No, they were supposed to remember it's Monday night and now it's they Tuesday didn't. morning. And now it's, yeah, they still haven't made a decision. I think it, they haven't made a decision because they know if they turn to Tannehill, that's it. They just, they've signed the ticket that Mariota's done. Uh, I, well, in the rankings, so when we talk about this, I won't reveal that till the quarterback rankings because why else would we talk about the Titans? But I have it as Tannehill starting right now, and that affects the wide receivers at least. It feels like Derrick Henry is just going to be Derrick Henry regardless. Yeah, I would. I think that it's a fair assumption. And honestly, if we're talking fantasy purposes, obviously not as Titans fans, but fantasy purposes, I think that's a boost. And we'll, like you said, we'll talk about when we talk about the wide receivers and stuff like that, but I think Tannehill's definitely better. I, I joked about this, and I still think it could happen. If Justin Herbert could bring the whole like six degrees of Kevin Bacon full circle because played with Oregon with the whole ties to everything that Mariota before him and everything. Like, Herbert's actually the the perfect option for them to go back to next year. I mean, he's probably more likely to what win a dunk contest than be like a successful NFL quarterback, though, isn't he? <laughs> That's certainly fair to say. I mean, I think everybody's talking about two at this point, and. Uh, it's just funny like love's already like immediately fallen off after the one bad game granted it's low level so but i mean we got plenty of offseason to talk about all that stuff true let's talk about the week seven running back rankings so the guys that i have is likely in you can find the rankings in the description and comment section of this video and podcast and always up on dkplaybook.com they get updated every day 
and then before the Thursday night game and before the Sunday games, once again, just in case to react to any last second injuries. So we don't know on a Tuesday afternoon who's exactly going to be in and going to be out. So they're likely in or likely out based on what I think. And I'm always wrong. So we can figure this <laughs> no! out. No, we yeah. need to Ronco our lineups. Yeah, exactly. So I have Rashad Penny, Todd Gurley, Miles Sanders, Devin Singletary, Chris Thompson, Wayne Gallman, Rex Burkhead, and Saquon Barkley as likely in, likely out. Darren Sproles and Justin Jackson. Now, of course, that Barkley could end up not playing. That would affect Gallman. We'll run through some of these scenarios. But number one in the running back rankings this week, I have Delvin Cook against Detroit. It doesn't really seem to matter what the matchup is for him. He's going to find himself the end zone. If he can't get it going on the ground, he's going to get it going through the receiving game. He's been amazing. Leonard Fournette, number two. Saquon, number three. David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, Chris Carson, Elvin Kamara, Josh Jacobs. In a pretty soft matchup against Green Bay, by the way. Uh, not great against the run. Todd Gurley, uh, if he's in against Atlanta. And then Le'Veon Bell. So I guess the two that we need to talk about from this range is Barkley. If Barkley's playing, you're starting him. That's kind of beside the point but if Berkeley no is if Berkeley is out and Gallman is in where would you, and I think Gallman is most definitely going to play because they cut Ronnie Hillman who was just terrible you were absolutely dead on on that <laughs> Jonathan Hilleman <laughs> yeah that guy Ro- Ronnie Hillman they cut him maybe they can bring him off waivers too and he, cut, might, he might be better they actually say side Hillman back to the practice squad sweet he can, he can get them checks <laughs> I don't like hey good for him come on He's undrafted out of Rutgers. She, oh, fantastic. So he got to stay in New Jersey. Top-notch stuff. <laughs> That's but... top-notch stuff. Hey, the XFL draft was today. Was it? Yeah, Any- it was. Anyone good I'm not go? kidding. Uh, there's a, like Tommy Lee Lewis got drafted by the Cowboys basically, or not Cowboys, the Dallas team, the Dallas team was like the one where it's the most notable cast off NFL players. Like everybody's got about, there's about one player per team where it's like, Oh, I remember that guy. He had a shot at the NFL. The Dallas team has like four. I did see that Cameron Artis Payne got drafted and it just, yeah, I think by the Dallas team too. Oh, really? I'm actually kind of stunned. Tommy Lee Lewis is no longer on the saints. I just assumed he was like on the practice squad. I still thought he was on somebody's team somewhere because I remember he was in the preseason. So interesting enough. So sidebar there. (laughs) Yeah, because Hilleman got cut, it would lead me to believe that Gallman will return uh, off the mini buy this week. So if Saquon sits this week and Gallman is in, where do you think Gallman would end up ranking this week against the Cardinals? And with his passing game, not necessarily prowess, but usage, uh, that it's a pretty good matchup for him. Uh, yeah, and I would actually, I'm looking at your rankings right now, and you know where he would go? One right about, spot in front of your favorite person. Yes, yeah, so he'd be one spot behind Derrick Henry, one spot ahead of Mark Ingram. I think that's a perfect spot for him. Yeah, so he's like a fringe, low-end RB1, high-end RB2. Yeah, because behind that, you know, he's going to get the workload. They, they prove that. They're going to turn to him the entire time if Barkley's out. Joe Mixon, we just talked about for a little bit. It's not a good matchup. He's oh, see, been miserable. I highly disagree. I think this is a really good matchup, potentially, for Joe Mixon. It just depends on game flow. Jacksonville, per DVOA, oh, see, last in the league against the run. It is. And I, I'm not – so, okay, let me rephrase. It's matchup-wise, run-wise, it's good on paper. I don't think it's a good matchup because what's the Jacksonville strength is even without Ramsey, it's the secondary. If you limit Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate at all, I mean, you can put an extra defender or two probably in the box to stop Joe Mixon this week. I agree with what you're saying about that's where you've been exploiting them is against the run. But I think this is a week where they, that kind of goes out the window because of the matchup. The the problem is when we talk about the rankings this week as it pertains to Joe Mixon, there's a lot of guys on by, obviously. There's guys that are banged up, and right. he is still one of – he's not necessarily like a bell cow in the sense that like Fournette is, but he's on that next level down of quote-unquote bell cow type running backs that – you know, somewhere in the mid-teens, he, despite not being very good this season, uh, just his workload alone should have him in that range, at least in my mind. Yeah, and that's uh, certainly a fair spot, but that's what I was going to say. That's why I would go better for Goldman because it's better match. I mean, again, paper, whatever. It's against the Cardinals, and he's getting the workload, and I trust the Giants' offensive line a hell of a lot more than I trust the Bengals' offensive line. So that's just really what comes down to why I was saying I put him in front of that. And then he's getting the workload that Mark Ingram's not – fully getting like he's going to get a higher percent a higher amount of the touches than mark ingram does despite you know i do like mark ingram i still think that's the perfect spot for him yeah i'm with you i would definitely have wayne gallman up somewhere around number 10 in these rankings i'll have to kind of readjust it when it actually happens but jake you know i don't like doing work i don't have to do until it actually happens so i don't want to you know 
just baked like three sets of rankings with all the hypotheticals. I'll just adjust to it when it happens. The other guy from that range is Gurley. He's still dealing with the quad issue. He may return in a really good matchup against Atlanta. So let's say that he plays. What do you think his snap share is? Or if he sits, would you rather start Brown or would you rather start Henderson? Because Henderson... After the first Looked drive, better. when well, the first drive, Malcolm Brown looked really good. And then the rest of the game, like, Daryl Henderson has, like, legit acceleration once he hits it. Remember we keep talking about Miles Sanders is that he's really good at getting outside, but he can't turn the corner to get north-south. It's the exact opposite for Henderson. He's a bit slow to the outside, but once he turns the corner, he's gone. So uh, to go back to the draft process, you know this because you and I talked about it. I had two people in my tier one for running backs. It was Josh Jacobs and Daryl Henderson. Now that might start to, as of today, looks like I was way too high on Daryl Henderson, but you saw the flashes. You saw what there's such the appeal for Henderson. It's just because of how explosive, how dynamic he is. Uh, similar to Dexter Williams with the with the Packers, you're, what you're talking about there is the fact that when they hit or when they can turn the corner, or when they can find a hole, whatever, it's that burst where they kind of it's that when you've watched enough football, people know this who've seen it out there. And anytime you see, it's once they take that explosion, it's almost like go, and it's like go when they hit the hole, and there's a go when they turn the corner and make that cut, and it, they hit that next level. It's like you know, the gears shifting gears and all that type of stuff. Daryl Anderson's got more than that too, obviously, and that's why he's so much better than Dexter Williams. So I'm with you. I really thought that going into the season with McVay and with McVay using Chris Thompson the way that he did back with the Redskins is that you thought that I could see a Chris Thompson role for Henderson from day one. I thought he'd be mixed in more. I think that I would still go Malcolm Brown because he's also getting the carries inside the five and the 10 more often, uh, at least to date. But I think that both would be playable. Uh, I would still go Malcolm Brown slightly in front of Henderson, but I think the gap would be a lot closer than it was last week when I had my rankings. So if we just assume Gurley is out, and these rankings do not because I have him inside the top 10, but if he is end up ruled out on, let's say, Thursday, and we have Malcolm Brown, where would we insert him into these rankings? Like, would you rather play Tevin Coleman uh, or would you rather play Malcolm Brown? Uh, I think that that's just, I think I'd slightly go Tevin Coleman, especially because he's facing the Redskins. Okay, would you rather go like Frank Gore against Miami, or would you rather play Malcolm Brown? I would just shoot for the upside for Malcolm Brown. By the way, there, there you go, scratching my chin and it knows on camera. <laughs> uh, would you go? I don't know, Melvin Gordon or Malcolm Brown? I actually think yeah, Melvin Gordon too low. Melvin Gordon sucks, man. He's been bad. <laughs> he doesn't. Why, whoa, 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 whoa. why are we saying he sucks when we're making excuses for Ezekiel Elliott and everybody else who's you know started the season behind and understanding it takes a game or two and Melvin Gordon's essentially still in his preseason sure, and but everybody's at, just at, at least with Elliott he's still producing fantasy points he doesn't necessarily look like Ezekiel Elliott he's not making people miss. he also got the Giants in week one what, whatever at least he's still producing fantasy points <laughs> with Melvin Gordon he's just not that was a terrible, terrible game to take anything out of for the Chargers offense as a whole. They just got destroyed in that game. Like, uh, embarrassed, honestly. Is that uh, this was that was actually very similar. Both LA teams, that was very similar to the Rams, of where it's just like, what are we watching here? Because this is not the Chargers that we know. And I know you could say Chargers, maybe not the expectations of what we knew or what we thought they could potentially be a division winner and a serious playoff contender and all that type of stuff. But at the same time, even if you didn't think that, that was a terrible game from the Chargers as a whole. I think Melvin Gordon is better. I think the offense is better. The offensive line is a concern. It's been a concern this entire year. But I still there's, – there's no way I'm putting Melvin Gordon – If I, I still can't start Melvin Gordon behind Frank Gore. I, I would. I would play Frank Gore this week, 100%. Better matchup. He's getting all the snaps. And he actually runs for positive yardage, which I hear is <laughs> somewhat helpful. I really think Devin Silvinter is going to start getting back or back more into the mix. And this is especially this week now. I, I agree. I think that Devin Singletary will play in this game and the bills have done the right thing with him by keeping him out for so long. Whenever I have Dr. Jesse Morse on the show, he kind of talks about, you know, hamstring injuries. If you bring them back too quickly and don't let them heal, the risk of re-aggravation is just so high. And with Devin Singletary, he's missed. Well, four, he's missed three games and had a bye week. Four weeks is the general recovery time to get back to 100%. They haven't been pushing him. They need him, like, they need their running game to be effective if they have any shot of doing any damage in December and potentially into January, because it does appear like the Bills are going to make the playoffs. But this is just the matchup for all matchups. Old man AP <laughs> was able to torch Miami last week. You don't think old man Frank Gore can too? And even if Singletary is back, he's still going to play like 55, 65% of the snaps over Singletary. 
Uh, I don't know if it's that high, but hey, look, hey, I'm not gonna nitpick that much. It's just the upside for Melvin Gordon. I just uh, that just looks way too low. It, you know, I, you know, I I agree with you. It looks like when I look at the page, I look at the rankings. Right. It looks way too low, but. Russell Okung and Mike Pouncey are not coming back through the door this week against Tennessee. Like, they just can't run the ball. Like, I have Eckler over Gordon because at least I know he's probably going to pile up sick. They are better with Austin Eckler on the field than they are with Melvin Gordon on the field. And eventually they'll realize uh, I don't know about that. It, it's not necessarily that Eckler is better than Gordon. It's just the game plan that they employ when Austin Eckler is in the game. They want to throw on first down to their running backs instead of running it up the gut for negative one yards. Just their offense is better when Eckler's in the game because their approach is different. Well, that's what part of what I was saying too. The approach last week was abysmal. But like the Titans' defense, it, we've been talking about it so far, is a little bit underrated as a whole. But at the same time, while I'll lean Melvin Gordon is because, you know, maybe, well, again, maybe it's the Tannehill thing we alluded to. Maybe there's a spark in this offense. This offense is not scoring anything. The Chargers could roll through this game with like a 17 to 10 win. And it just, and if that's the case, if it's low scoring and if it's ball control, that's why I'm going to lean Melvin Gordon. You know, if it wasn't Tennessee and they were facing the Chiefs, I'd feel a lot better about Austin Eckler than I would Melvin Gordon. All right. 11 to 20 in the rankings this week. Carry on Johnson. Derek Henry. Mark Ingram has been ranked by Fantasy Pros right in that spot. So, you know, not my ranking. Fantasy Pros ranking. My ranking's in worst place. Mixon, Philip Lindsay, Matt Breda, Aaron Jones, Carlos Hyde, Jordan Howard, Marlon Mack. We saw Jamal Williams get the touchdown. We saw him with the world savviest move to cash my under bet on the very last player, <laughs> the second to last play of the game. I still do think that Aaron Jones is the guy in this backfield. Uh, if he doesn't fumble and then drop a wide open touchdown pass, maybe Jamal Williams doesn't play so much. Yeah, maybe, but this is a legitimate conversation to have it. And as you know, and I say all this because I'm going to say the same thing I said in the waiver article, and I hope people listen to the entire thing because the context here is saying that. Do you really think that people will listen to this entire thing? Please, Jay, come on. They'll just be like, you don't like my guy. I hate you right I think people just, it's just people just love to say they hate me in general. That's, that's kind of why I embrace it. All in heel every day, man. I'll tell you what. No, look, in the preseason, I said, Aaron Jones, why I'm not putting in the RB1 conversation, I never will, is because I don't trust teams. The Packers coaching staff before and the Packers coaching staff now are doing the same thing. What did I compare him to for you? As I said, Lamar Miller with the Dolphins. As we said, give him more touches, give him more touches, give him more touches. He gets more touches, and he's putting up the same numbers less efficiently. As sometimes NFL teams know something. We had a coaching change a regime change and they're still not treating aaron jones as a bell cow outside of the game that jamal williams was out and then one game this season where he had more than 20 touches the rest of the time it's been split and it's what i say every single time aaron jones is the better talent he puts up more efficient numbers he's amazing if you tell me jamal williams versus aaron jones i'm going to take aaron jones every single time and that's why i say all this because as the biggest like detractor on aaron jones and the biggest supporter of jamal williams I still didn't expect what happened on Monday Night Football to have happened. That that was crazy. But to your point, this is why Aaron Jones has to be in this conversation. Can he have top 10 upside? Absolutely. He's finished as the number one running back. Can he finish what would just happen on Monday Night Football? Absolutely, because the Packers are not going to shy away from using Jamal Williams. It's a frustrating situation, but that's what we have to deal with. Is Aaron Jones too high then? Do you think I should have them closer in the rankings? Because I just honestly, I, I just I, everything. I can't see myself inserting Jamal Williams into my lineup and being like, you know what? I feel, no, I feel good about this. No, I actually looking at your rankings. My initial reaction was he's too low. Like, like as much as everything I just said, split backfield wise, I'd still put him in front of Brita's split backfield, and I would still put him in front of uh, Philip Lindsay's split backfield, despite the fact that Philip Lindsay's playing the Chiefs. I would still put Aaron Jones in front of both of them because Aaron Jones has number one upside. Neither of those guys do. Sure, but those two matchups this week are probably the two best. And I know Philip Lindsay's in the split. I know Breda's in the split, but... I, Oakland's I, not far behind. Oakland is, like, all right. But I, I'm more concerned yeah, that... All right. Like, here's the thing. Like, when we think about Green Bay and we think about the split that happens, it seems to go one way or another. Maybe they can both have good games, but I've seen Breda and Tevin Coleman both have good games at the same time, and I would expect that to continue against a weaker matchup. I know with the Broncos that they're just going to be fed the ball over and over and over. And at least with Phillip Lindsay, if they're ahead in this game and they're running effectively, then it's going to be a pure split with Royce Freeman. If they fall behind in this game, then it's likely to be Phillip Lindsay on the field catching those passes. That's why I have right. a little 
bit of differentiation between Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman here. But I just know regardless of what happens in these scripts, those two guys, they're either going to do all their damage on 10 touches and it's not going to matter, or they get used a ton because this game is closer and all they want to do is run. I still think Aaron Jones is going to see enough where, and this is something I tweeted during Monday Night Football, saying even though everything I was pointing out during the game and saying these same things on Twitter about Jamal Williams, all that type of stuff, it's like this could be a game where they both hit. And Aaron Jones did to a degree. You would want to see more, but I think this is another week they could both hit because it's very unlikely that Geronimo Allison makes it back from his concussion. And even if Devontae Adams is out there, Marquez Valdez-Scantling has been shown, like, I mean, if it wasn't for that one catch, I mean, he wasn't even involved that much, even with Geronimo Allison leaving the field in the second half. So I think that you're looking at Aaron Jones is just kind of so involved at this point, even in the passing game, that uh, the argument you're making for Philip Lindsay is the same one I would make for Aaron Jones. I'm not going to say, look, they're back to back to back. I'm just saying I would go Aaron Jones over those two. And I kind of set that all up to say, like, this is the person that doesn't like Aaron Jones, and I would even still start him over both of those. At 21 to 30 to 40, wherever we go to here in this list that I'm just going to reel off. Devonta Freeman at 21. Devonta Freeman is so bad, yet keeps falling into the end zone. It really irks me. Like, He's you know, James White at this point. He's not as good as James White. That's the problem. <laughs> That's fair. So Devonta Freeman, Tevin Coleman, Frank Gore, Eckler, James White. Royce Freeman, Melvin Gordon, Sony Michelle, David Montgomery, LaShawn McCoy at number 30. Then we have Jamal Williams, Devin Singletary, Chase Edmonds, Tariq Cohen, Miles Sanders, Damian Williams, Ito Smith, Rashad Penny, who I have in right now, Gio Bernard, and Latavius Murray. Latavius had a touchdown call back on him last week, and maybe he gets more reps uh, with Kamara dealing with a knee and ankle injury. Who's going to play, but it's just a bad matchup against the, against uh, yeah. the Bears. Forget about that. I, I, I couldn't care. The only way I want Latavius Murray this week is if Alvin Kamara is officially out. If David Montgomery has a huge game, would you try for the world to trade him? <laughs> I would be doing the same thing I was doing with Devontae Freeman. Like everybody's like, oh, he looks so good rushing finally this year. Uh, did you pay attention to who he faced? So Devontae Freeman, as you joked about, just he doesn't look very good. And even watching that game, like it was his best game, like rushing the ball, he still didn't look that good. So Devontae Freeman is immediate sell high uh, just because he's basically James White and a lesser effective James White for the passing game-wise. Same thing as you're saying with David Montgomery. And it's not that I don't like David Montgomery. Like, I, I'm a David Montgomery supporter. I think he had him as a top six or seven running back in this draft class. But it comes down to Nagy, and it comes down to similar to what we were just talking about with Aaron Jones. It comes back down to Doug Peterson and his backfield. Is sometimes, like, you, you know, we want a talent. We want things to happen. We're sitting at home and watching and saying – we believe this player is better than the other player. Sometimes Jamal Williams being more well-rounded means more than Aaron Jones having the better athleticism. Same thing here. You know, it, there's more athleticism with David Montgomery. Maybe he's not quite to where they want him to be as an NFL player. And Jordan Howard, despite being kind of, eh, well, he's kind of good enough in everything that he does that he's been going well so far. So David Montgomery for his situation with the uses of Tariq Cohen and then Mike Davis is always lingering, although he's completely kind of fell on the side over the last couple of games. It's still a concern enough that, yes, I would try to sell them high. Wide receivers this week, the injury report. I have Emmanuel Sanders, Sammy Watkins, Christian Kirk, Hollywood Brown, Philip Dorsett, Sterling Shepard, Julian Edelman, Taylor Gabriel, Randall Cobb, Kenny Stills, and Tyrell. The Gazelle Williams as likely in, likely out. Devontae Adams, Amari Cooper, Paris Gambu, Traquan Smith, Marquise Lee, A.J. Green, Deshaun Jackson, Josh Gordon, and Geronimo Allison. Number one in the rankings, but T.Y. Hilton. I suppose the top 10 doesn't really matter. You're starting all these guys anyway, but T.Y. Hilton torches the Texans every single time he plays them. So let's go with that. <laughs> Cooper Cup, who just let me down as my number one guy this week. I'm going back to him, number two. Julio Lockett, Gallup against Philly with Noah Amari Cooper. Julian Edelman, Kenny Galladay, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Brendan Cooks. Tyreek Hill, who tends to struggle a bit with Denver over the years, but Keenan Allen, Alshon Jeffrey, Will Fuller, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, John Brown, and Hollywood Brown. Fun fact about DJ Chark, both William Jackson and Drake Kirkpatrick are both out for the Bengals, and that means B.W. Webb is going to probably be like shadowing him or acting as the cornerback one, and he has like a broken forearm. Like It's, it's not good <laughs> news for the Bengals defense right now, especially in the second do, well, do you know who the other two corners are I, I it's probably like pac-man jones <laughs> no it's uh it's tony mccray and tory mc 
MacGyver or something like that. Macgy- not MacGyver. The, the, <laughs> Tory the, the corpse of Tory Holt. He's out there. <laughs> Tory Holt. Tory Smith is out there playing defense for them. So, How many other Tories can we name from football? Oh, yeah, I mean, Tori Wilson is in wrestling, but. Oh, yeah, that was. She was hot. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think she was like Miss America or something like that. And my girl, Tori. Was she? From, yeah, she was in like some sort of modeling, like that sort of pageantry type work. My girl, Tori from The Challenge. She's having a good year. Oh, I wouldn't even know anything about The Challenge. Ah, that's too bad. You should be watching The Challenge. What sure. season are they on now? 75? Uh, this is 34 for The Challenge. Well, it wasn't off by much. <laughs> no, and they're doing like two a year now. But I actually kind of shook up the wide receiver rankings this week. But everyone inside the top 20, you were going to play anyway. It doesn't really matter yeah. what order that they were going to be in. If Watkins plays, I feel like this is the ideal situation for him. Uh, he's back. Hill is back. Hill's going to see the, the primary coverage here. That it, This is more of a role I think Watkins is suited for. We put a lot onto him while Hill was out because we saw so many targets in week one, and the targets were there every single week for him. He just wasn't able to convert because he was dealing with the primary coverage. I think he just works better as the secondary or tertiary option in this offense, at least in the passing game. Absolutely, and the thing is, is the game earlier this year that Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scaling really went off and other opportunities where other receivers have gone off against the Denver defense, it's been with the matchup with Yadam. I think that's how you say his last name, but that's the one where Marquez Valdez-Scantling went off against this team. So to your point, if he's out there, this is the Watkins game. This is kind of one of the ones that we are always like waiting for. We're like, oh, you know, oh, this is the intrigue and the excitement we get for Watkins. So I think it's a fair call. I, my question is, is he 100% though? Because I don't know if I want Sammy Watkins even 90%. Like I, I need to know he's 100%. Would or at least be, 98. Would, would they be bringing him back on a like short week on Thursday if he wasn't 100%? That just seems crazy. For a guy it with does. for a guy who has so so much injury history that maybe he's 90%. <laughs> if it's 90%, I'm still good with it. Like if he's playing, I feel like you need to play him. Uh, and that's uh, I would think is this as much, but it's not like we've seen NFL teams do crazier things this year, so uh, you, I I just I, my point was I hope that we get some kind of report saying that He's not lingering. Like, he's not fighting through it. Am I nuts for having Gallup at five if Cooper isn't playing? Mm, I don't know if I would have him that high, but he's certainly a wide – he's in the top 12. He's a wide receiver one. Just – I don't want to say how doesn't this work because, obviously, it cannot work. But the Eagles can't (laughs) stop anybody. They can't, but at the same time, my concern – so here's my only concern for this game – with Michael Gallup being the number one. It's not that even Michael Gallup can't handle being a number one. I just don't know two things. Is One, is he there yet as being the number one to take that focus? Because we've seen wide receivers thrust into this situation before. And yes, it is the Eagles secondary. However, if there is no Amari Cooper, you would think that as bad as the Eagles secondary is, roll coverage over top of Michael Gallup and let Randall Cobb, who's banged up, and Devin Smith, who's just a burner, like try and let them beat you. And at that point, who cares? Like you're going to focus on Michael Gallup. And that's where I bring that into the conversation is saying, can he handle that kind of attention? Can similar to Juju Smith Schuster, even before Ben Roethlisberger got hurt, Juju Smith Schuster being asked to be the number one for the Steelers. And you tell me right now, the two of them side by side, I'm going to take Juju's talent and development over Gallup's talent and development. Although I like them both for the future. And that's why I just bring that up as a conversation piece. If you just run play action against the Eagles, they will bite every single time and you'll just be <laughs> wide open down the field, apparently. No, that is true. But also, if you're looking at the fact that, like last week, we were talking up Kirk Cousins and Stefan Diggs, and it's like you get open quick also because the Eagles get pressure after the. It's weird. The Eagles are the weirdest defense dynamically is because they're so terrible in the past against the pass, but they still get pressure on the quarterback every single week. So. You know, maybe this is a surprise game where we see somebody like, again, Randall Cobb's not 100%, so I don't even know who's – I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I can't it's, think it's of who they're Tav- It's Tavon Austin. Oh, this – oh, my God. If this is a Tavon Austin game, just – good God. Uh, so 21 to 30 in the rankings I have. Let's see here. Who do I have? Watkins, Fitzgerald, Robert Woods, Tyrell, the Gazelle, Williams. He's still dealing with an injury, though. He may or may not play. They did just trade for Zay Jones. Mike Williams, Cortland Sutton, Stephen Diggs. Terry McLaurin, Golden Tate, and Tyler Boyd. Whoever's on the, like, Patrick Peterson's back this week for Arizona, so I assume who's ever on the Slayton. ice. Or Shepard. Sh- Sh- or Shepard, if you know. No, they said, uh, they, they said yesterday that Shepard is already doubtful for this week. All right, so I should take Shepard out of the ranking. Either way, it's good news for Golden Tate. It is good news for Golden Tate, and whether it's Shepard or Slayton, they, neither of them are on my radar. That's 
I'm sorry. Darius Slayton, sacrificial lamb as a rookie to get thrown to Patrick Peterson's first game back. That's just, that's unfortunate timing there. Terry McLaurin is the toughest one to rank this week because I can't see benching him, but I also can't see playing him against San Francisco with the way things are going. No, he's, um, look, he's what you just said. It's similar to DJ Chark last week. DJ Chark had an off week. Uh, uh, you know, I'm expecting a rebound for him, but the same thing with Terry McLaurin is they've both put themselves, they are must starts. They are at least wide receiver threes. Can obviously a matchup against the Bears or the 49ers, which is happening this week, get to go belly up and not, but it's not quite the Mike Evans level of where, you know what, you just take that on the chin. But at this point, he is their number one. He's been dominating most every single week. Uh, and Case Keenum is not going to stop. The one good thing for fantasy purposes, while Dwayne Haskins is the future for this team, you brought it up before. I talked about it on the Washington Huddle, the TV show I down, do down here. Is Case Keenum's just, he's going to keep throwing it. He doesn't care. He was, what does he have to lose? His job. He's not going to have the job after this year anyway. If Dwayne Haskins came in a quarterback, they'd probably reel in the offense a little bit. So as long as Case Keenum's a quarterback, he's going to throw, he's going to throw, he's going to throw, he's going to throw, similar to Andy Dalton. So I can't see benching him even against the 49ers. Yeah, I, the upside is just too high. Uh, you wouldn't want to lead on him. You might have three better options to play. But all things being equal, maybe score and McLaurin's the guy that you need to have out there. I mean, score, was, did you switch it? I, I like score and McLaurin. I, I think that's the one. I like score McLaurin better than Cherry Terry. Although I, I still like scary Terry. I, I don't care the fact that he doesn't like it. I don't care about stupid Terry Rozier. Yeah, I like score and McLaurin. That's a good one. Yeah, it rhymes. Anything that rhymes. As long as you don't call him F1. Yeah, that is just bad. We, we've, we don't need to rehash this again. It's a terrible nickname. D.D. Uh, Westbrook at number 31. I've already talked about the Bengals secondary. Emmanuel Sanders, Mohamed Sanu, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Philip Dorsett, who returned to practice today, Jamison Crowder, say it right, Frenchie, D.J. Metcalf, A.J. <laughs> Brown, Dante Pettis is the top 40. That's 30 to 40. Speaking of which, here's a problem that I have because we didn't kind of do this last week with Lattimore shutting down DJ Chark and the Saints defense really rattling the backfield to Gardner Minshew. It's not like the Bears offensive line has been good at all. So if you don't have time and you have a shutdown corner on your number one option, that's bad news, which would lead me towards Taylor Gabriel, who's coming off the concussion. But if I had both of them in my, if I had both of them on my team and I looked at it, I'd be like, there's no way that I'm playing Taylor Gabriel over Allen Robinson. I just can't do it. Uh, I don't really want anybody in this game. This is one where I even like, this is Terry McLaurin over even Allen Robinson, as you have. It's just the situation is he's getting Lattimore. I can't trust him. Taylor Gabriel to go back to that again. Guy had three touchdowns in two years. Like this is Taylor uh, Gabriel. Then, then he had three touchdowns in 10 minutes. I know that's the point. He equaled what he did in two years before that. It's still Taylor Gabriel is still Anthony Miller still out there in the mix a bit. Anthony Miller has been playing some decent slot at times. I'm not saying Anthony Miller is the better play than Taylor Gabriel. I'm just saying that if they're all out there, it just who's going to do what it's PJ Williams in the slot, which is what you want. And Taylor Gabriel was out there for hundred percent of the slot snaps. That's all him. I could see a little bit of intrigue. And to be honest with you, if that was known beforehand, I might think about it over Allen Robinson. But this is another one where that's kind of like where you catch yourself being too cute. You're overthinking it. And what if Allen Robinson gets away from Lattimore? He's not going to see Lattimore 100%. Once he gets away from him for two catches and one of them's for a touchdown, you're going to hate yourself. Do, do we know if it's going to be Trubisky back or if it's going to be Chase Daniel? I assume it's Chase Daniel. Like, there's no way Trubisky can be back with a shoulder issue yet, can he? I don't think so. I mean, they were talking about him starting to like get some practice reps on the side, but it doesn't sound like it's very likely to have happened. What, what would you like him more if he had Trubisky or like him less? I don't know, but I do know that after watching <laughs> that Raiders game, like when in doubt, Chase Daniel just throws it in the direction of Allen Robinson. So it could right. be, it could just be one of these situations where he gets a ton of volume. He won't be efficient, but that's going to be good enough because he's the only one getting volume on the team and his natural get skill him, yeah. will just overcome at some point. Get him a dozen targets and hopes he catches a third of those, or fourth of them even. Yeah, it's sort of like the, De the old-school DeAndre Hopkins versus Jalen Ramsey games where he had like 15 targets and end up with like six catches for 78 yards and a touchdown or something like that. It's like, well... That might never happen again. Yeah, maybe maybe not. This rate. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins can only... He's the him and Kiki Cutie, like swap bodies or something like that. Uh, that was, or we, we still haven't even gotten to that yet. What? Did you bring him up in your ranks? Did you go past him? Who, Kiki? No. Worst place. I told you to put him there last week and you said no. No, I have Will Fuller at like number like 13 or something like that. No, he needs to be in worst place. I told you that. Listen, I told, I told, you, last I told week. you then you can do whatever you want with your rankings. My rankings are my rankings. I like Will Fuller. <laughs> yeah. 
and everybody liked Will Fuller last week. And I even made the excuse for him too. I was like, all right, he won't disappoint for one more week because he's facing the Chiefs. No, he just goes out there and drops three touchdowns. Screw you, Will Fuller. Worst place. My worst place. I don't know. I like Will Fuller. No, I told you he's the Jared Cook of wide receivers. Worst place. What, what did he? What was his final stat line last week? Anyway, I know how big the game could have been, but I think like that five, like, six points. Uh, let's see, five catches, forty-four yards. I mean, if that's going to be his floor on nine so targets, seven points, seven and a half points. One, two, three, four, five. So over his past five games, hasn't seen fewer than six targets. They're just teams are actively looking to take DeAndre Hopkins out of these games that Will Fuller's just going to be on single coverage the entire time. He's sort of like Robbie Anderson in a way. Like if Robbie Anderson wasn't playing the Patriots this week, he'd be a top 20 guy. And and that's certainly fair. And the thing about Robbie Anderson though, and I don't know if I would put him as a top 20 guy is he's always going to be a wide receiver three for me. Will Fuller, Deshaun Jackson in his prime, Robbie Anderson, all these guys. And that's, that's my biggest complaint. It's like, you know, tongue in cheek, joking aside about worst place. You're still starting Will Fuller. I'm still starting Will Fuller, but he deserves my biggest problem is similar to Aaron Jones conversation is don't put Aaron Jones in the RB one conversation. Guess what? Don't put Will Fuller in the top 20 conversation. He's a wide receiver three. There will be top 10 weeks. There will be, you didn't even want to start him weeks. And last week, was kind of that wide receiver four where sometimes he gets in the middle and that's my biggest problem with it is everybody just always wants to anoint will fuller as a top 15 top 20 wide receiver and he's not no and i think people get caught up uh, with it as well that he's always such a good DraftKings play because of the upside that, <laughs> that he is brings true. to the table that it gets factored like you start thinking about that upside as it pertains to season-long fantasy and the consistency isn't always there that's something i fall into the trap of all the time because i talk about all this shit all the time but um, <laughs> like i'm looking at, i'm looking at him right now Given the matchup, and you know, I know that he's healthy. I'm starting. I would slide Will. And I, I know you're not going to. I'm just saying for conversation piece here. I would put Will Fuller behind John Brown. I would sandwich him in between the Browns. I can do that. I'll do that just for you. I won't move him to worst place. I'll move him to number <laughs> 19 in the rankings. How about that? Just right, for you. Fair Jim. enough. Uh, <laughs> anyone else you want to talk about from down here? If Allison is out and Devonte Adams is out again, how are you feeling about Allen, the Lazard Queen? Was <laughs> it the lizard queen? Yeah. Look, I call them this. I put this in the waiver column. I call them Auden Tate with a killer smile in the draft class last year because they're very similar players. And as you've seen, Auden Tate's doing fine with the Bengals if he's out there. But I don't really want him unless Adams and Allison are both sideline. If Adams is out there, I, I really don't even want Marquez Valdez Scantling because yeah. he's just going to absorb a dozen plus targets. If Adams is out and Allison is suffering the concussion and the number one and number two are Valdez Scantling and, and Lazard. I think, or Lazar, I don't even know how you correctly pronounce his last name, but we'll say Lazard. Either way, I think he's in wide receiver four conversation at that point. Yeah, anyone else we should be talking about down here, like Jacoby Myers if Josh Gordon sits. Uh, they did bring back Ben Watson as well, so they're down. Josh Gordon missed practice today, too. I, I saw that. Um, and Would you pick up Nikhil Harry? Because I don't think it's even worth it at this point. Only because, I say, I should have answered first. I was going to say no, <laughs> only because Philip Dorsett is back at practice. Yes. So, like, uh, Nikhil Harry, if there was no Dorsett and there was no Gordon, and now you're talking about Edelman, Myers, and now he's the number three, then I could get interested in a deep league. But he's also not back until he we still can. has to sit out through. Yeah, exactly. He still has to finish the pup so, or the IR with the eligible to return. So, I think that, yeah, a deep league, but only if both of them were out, which it doesn't look like Josh Gordon. I mean, if he only misses this week, then it's not even a conversation. So Jacoby Myers, someone you would consider playing? I like Jacoby Myers. I do. Like, like, I, would I, you play like Demarcus Robinson Thursday night, or would you play Jacoby Myers on Monday night? I think I'd still play Demarcus Robinson. No, I would play Jacoby Myers. DeMar Demarcus Robinson just put up a zero. He did, just, he did but you know, sometimes guys put up zero when they're not good. No, it was knowing that Josh Gordon's already missed practice. I would just start Myers. There's just Demarcus. Now that Tyreek Hill's back, at best case scenario, you're always going to be the number three between Demarcus Robinson and Michael Harbin and Byron. The what did you call him? The heir, heir to the fortune of the chip factory or something like that? Yeah, he's the he's the chip heir, heir to the chip yeah. fortune. Byron Pringle. It's gonna, with Watkins back, we're just not seeing him at all. We barely saw him last right. week. Right. So at best case scenario, if Watkins is back, oh, as I was saying, at best case scenario, if Watkins was out, you're the number three behind Kelsey and Hill. Best case with Watkins is now you're the number four. So, no, I don't want the – like I said, Demarcus Robinson just put up a zero. Uh, anything with, like, the other Seattle guys, Jaron Brown, David Moore, the other Colts guys going up against the Texans, any interest in them? No. Nah. 
that's always going to be you're just trying to chase you're always going to chase i call this it's the cliche chasing your tail like you're trying to chase you know you chase david moore when he gets the touchdowns you chase jerron brown when he gets the touchdowns and then it never comes around and it's usually the other guy before it comes back around to that guy at some point same thing with the chiefs if they're all healthy demarcus robinson could easily catch a touchdown this week but then people would chase him and then next week it'll be miko Harmon as the third person involved or next week it'll be byron pringle like those are situations where you know, if you're desperate, I would say of all of those, probably on the Colts, I would just go for Rodgers because he's getting some of those uh, red zone looks and he's getting more snaps. But uh, I don't really want to use them. I, I guess 15 team leagues, 14 team leagues, you might have to. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started, simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash PME and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to Roman.com slash PME to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash PME for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash PME. Quarterbacks for week seven. I have Mahomes is in. Trubisky is out. Mariota is out. Tannehill is in for the purposes of these rankings. It'll switch if there's an announcement made. Drew Brees out with a thumb injury as well. Number one, I have Russell Wilson at home against Baltimore. Lamar Jackson in that same game at number two. Deshaun, Kyler, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, Daniel Jones in the top 10, then Gardner Minshew, Matt Ryan, Jimmy G, Jacoby Brissett, Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, Joe Flacco. I think that uh, if you got down to this territory, there's someone you probably could have picked up somewhere in between. (laughs) Mm, You probably could have and probably should have at this point. Although, Garoppolo is out there. Hold on, hold on, hold on. There is something I do want to say about this. How can I phrase this? I'm upset everyone's on my Josh Allen corner now. (laughs) This is, so, it's high school. You were the first one to buy the T-shirt and the album, and now everybody likes him, and you want to move on. I'm not going to do that, though, because I do actually just have Josh Allen as my quarterback. I think I, I already played five five year-long fantasy football teams this year. I believe he's my quarterback on four of them. So it's good news for me. Like It's turning out to be pretty good here. But now that the world is on him, I think that might be too much pressure for Sir Josh. <laughs> too much pressure. He knows that the world is on him? Is that what you're telling me? That That is what I am getting at here. It's just... In a chalk situation, as huge favorites, like I think he's going to have a great week. That's why I ranked him at, number, you, at number six. That's what you were saying about Baker Mayfield. What? That Baker Mayfield is, shows up when everybody is down on him, but when everybody likes the Browns and Baker Mayfield, he's going to fall on his face. Yeah. You're making it, the same argument. And it basically happened last week until he hurt his hip. He actually had a pretty decent fantasy game, to be perfectly honest. Not great. But yeah, it did. Not good. But Josh Allen, is he's just so safe for fantasy purposes. Like, And we're going to get one of those two rushing touchdown games. This could be it. It definitely could. I mean, it's the matchup for it. I mean, I don't understand why. You, why would you want to come off him now? I, I'm not coming off. I have him at number five or number six in the rankings. No, I, no. But I would I, say, like, why, why don't you want to enjoy it right now? What, what's, what's wrong with enjoying the fun? I just worry that now that everyone is on him, that it, you know, everyone's going to pick up Josh Allen. Everyone's going to play Josh Allen. What kind Allen. of narrative are you creating over here? I don't know. I'm just a bit worried now that the world is on Josh Allen that maybe he'll underperform. I can't get in here anymore. Now that the crowd, it's full. And I used to be able to just walk up to the front of the stage. Exactly. This is exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but you're in this week as well oh absolutely no question about it daniel jones you're in because i'm in on that this week no why not because he's daniel jones i don't care i because just play quarterbacks against arizona 
And you know what? This is the same thing we said when the Redskins were facing the Giants and that went to crap for the Redskins. Like sometimes you can overthink the matchups and everybody last week for Daniel Jones, what he did against the Patriots is like, oh, he was aggressive in that game. That's terrific. This is what we want. He played the same damn way that Eli Manning has played every single time, made poor decisions. He's been terrible since the Buccaneers game. I told people not to overrate him after the Buccaneers game. I am taking a victory lap on this one because Daniel Jones is Eli Manning. He's just young and new. This might be true. I do want to see him start to utilize his mobility a little bit more. And I think you can just do that. Like Arizona's defense is bad. I know Patrick Peterson's back, but okay, you take out one third of the field. There's two other thirds of the field that should be pretty good here. And with Arizona pushing the pace and pushing the pace and pushing the pace that they're just going to run so many plays that I think that Daniel Jones can get there. And you know what? That's fair. But, you know, the, it, maybe rushing is going to help his day, and that really could. But again, Slayton's going to get tied up. He's looked like they, as of today, again, Shepard's not playing. Slayton's going to get tied up with Patrick Peterson. Evan Ingram should be back. I feel better if Saquon Barkley is out there. I just don't, I'm not going to put it, I'm just not going to put him inside the top 10 because of the turnovers. I think it's the same argument we put for a lot of them. Now, if your league only gives you like, minus half a point or minus one or there are some leagues that don't even penalize you for interceptions Ooh. then he's you know top 10 but i think most leagues out there are usually negative two for interceptions no it's i would say most leagues are negative one for interceptions i thought negative two is the default no i think if you have six points per touchdown pass it's negative two if you do four it's negative one i have to go look uh, and you always have that potential for the rushing upside plus the elevated pace of the game. So I do like, to, I, I'm kind of with you. I don't love Daniel Jones as a quarterback, as a fantasy asset this week against Arizona. I do like him. I'm looking at my projections right now and my rankings don't match my projections just because, you know, I have no faith in my projections, but it does go Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, Jared Goff, Kyler Murray. Those are like the top eight guys. Uh, yeah, that, that's a fair range but do you yeah, know why i don't do you know why i don't trust those projections because lamar isn't near the top and he's always near the top <laughs> yeah this you know, why do you rank lamar jackson inside the top five every single week well that, that's why yeah because he might rush for 200 yards in this game it's it's conceivable he's gonna rush for a thousand yards oh for sure he might break he might break Vic's record he, if he can get to what 1100 yards he breaks it he's halfway there already and I, we, I actually, on the D'Angelo Williams podcast that we recorded today, which comes out tomorrow, he was saying that he does think he, he makes it through 16 games because it's today's NFL. And we're back in the day where Vic and Robert Griffin, they ran 15 times. They got hit seven or eight times. You know, he runs 18. He gets hit two or three because it's today's NFL because there's such a small window. And he's also smart about running out of bounds and stuff like that. He, and I, I asked him, he was like, do you think Vic could run for 1500 yards today? And he said, absolutely. No question about it. I see. I don't think so. so and here's why I do. So when you, when I think about Vic and I think about Griffin as runners that I think of them both in the same way is they, they just annihilated everyone with their speed. It was almost like the Daryl Henderson talk that we had that once he turned the corner and they went go, they were gone and no one can catch them. Lamar's, like that i don't think he's quite as fast as those guys maybe he is i don't know but he doesn't look quite as fast he's just shiftier like he straight up olays people and makes them miss like his like little fake running out of bounds move and then cuts back the other way like he's good at avoiding contact in that way where those other two guys were not no see no that's you don't you're misremembering michael vick he was the first he was the king of tiptoeing that sideline and then as soon as he was about to get hit he stepped out to get the penalty. Like I, oh, so no, 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 no. I, I, I'm talking about it the other way. Like Jackson, like tiptoes up towards the sidelines to run out of bounds. The defender slows down. He cuts back to the middle of the field and just keeps going. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's certainly fair. But I'm saying that's where I think Vic would change his style a little bit. I think Vic would run a little bit more because he knows that they're going to call a penalty if you even hit him at this point. True. And a lot of these plays, like these RPOs or even designed runs from Lamar Jackson, he has blockers out there for him. Like they're designed run plays that he's just not going to take those 100 mile per hour, just full on contact hits in the open field right. like those other two guys did too. Right. Vic, a lot of Vic's running was freelancing on his own. Yeah. That was, wasn't designed. That's why I, I agree. I think that 1500 would be reasonable, although we're talking in ifs and make believe now. Uh, if you had to pick one up, would it be Minshew or Garoppolo? Because I prefer Minshew this week. Minshew, but I think they're both good plays if you need a quarterback. I talked about this with Sal on the Monday show. I'm not convinced Jimmy G's any good. Uh, <laughs> I don't disagree. Like that, that's kind of been a lot of what I was saying in the offseason is we don't know. We, we haven't seen a lot of them. And the biggest thing going into the season, 
and was like why I wasn't in on the wide receivers and only George Kittle. And even I, and I was saying be cautious of George Kittle, and he looks fine as of now. Is we don't know what Jimmy Garoppolo fits the offense, how he no, like progresses I, with the receivers, who I, he likes I, the best. I, I will say that I think that he fits with this offense really well. That Kyle Shanahan has we found really that good, out. He's done a really good job of highlighting the things that Jimmy does well, get him on the move a little bit, utilize right. that mobility, a lot of high percentage passes. I'm just really curious to see whatever happens if they get down by 14 points, what he starts looking like. Because he makes two or three just horrendous throws every single game. Right, but also you, you're right about what he's been, but we didn't know that going to the season. No. And to your point, and we still don't know what you're saying right now. We don't know what he looks like when they're down by that much. And we still don't know what wide receiver he likes because every single week it's a new one. I brought that up in the waiver column as well, is that you look at it, it's been five different wide receivers. You know, Debo Samuel had two, but it's been Marquise Goodwin, Debo Samuel, Richie James, and who's the other one? Dante Pettis. And uh, the only person you can rely on is Kittle in the backfield. Yeah, I, I mean, just starting any wide receiver for the Niners right now is just, it, 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 you talk about like chasing, uh, like you chase Demarcus Robinson, you chase Hardman, you chase Pringle, whoever it might be. At least they play for the Chiefs. Right, <laughs> exactly, 100%. Yeah, like just get the, uh, if you want to chase wide receivers, at least do it in offense. Are you worried about Mahomes and his potential upside here? Like I have him ranked not number one for the first time all season. <laughs> I have him at number five, but like I am kind of concerned about the ankle, but I'm also concerned. Like I initially had Josh Allen ranked ahead of him when I did my rankings. I looked, I was like, there's no way I would ever start Josh Allen over Patrick Mahomes. I just wouldn't do it. No, and that's why I wouldn't rank him there to, to your point. And we look, you look at last year against Denver, he had that four touchdown game against them. And then the other one, I think he only had one, but he threw 300 some odd yards in that one. But it's it's Patrick Mahomes. I don't have a problem with him being not number one, as you phrased it. But at the same time, my only concern for him is not ability. It's not matchup. It's not anything. It's the ankle. It's, it's his health. Yeah, me too. But it does seem like he could be dealing with a high ankle sprain. Right. And he's playing through it. Yeah. So uh, tight ends. Let's talk about some tight ends here. I got, who do I got at number one? Well, I got Evan Ingram, Ben Watson, who's no longer cut, and Chris Herndon as likely in, Matt Lacoste, the Lacostitute, Vernon Davis, Jeff Swaim, and Josh Oliver is likely out, so I have no idea who is playing tight end for Jacksonville at this point. Maybe no one. And Will Disley, probably done for the year with an Achilles tear. George Kittle, number one. Evan Ingram, number two. Travis Kelsey, number three. Mark Andrews, Hoop Hooperton, Hunter Henry, Zach Ertz, Darren Waller, Gerald Everett against Atlanta, and Darren Fells at number 10. You have a problem with any of these? Not really. I do like that you have Ben Watson as no longer cut. <laughs> well, he's not. He got signed again. I know, that, but that's the best. There's no longer cut. Yeah, that was so surprising. All the people were like, I stashed Ben Watson. Then it's like, ah, they cut him. <laughs> By the way, I think to your, your answer to your question, I think it's Seth, Seth the Valve for Jacksonville. Is it really? I think so. Because it's not like you said, if Swain's out, I mean, that's that's all they have. No, I think Seth DeValve is the third man up. That's that's kind of crazy. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Seth, Seth DeValve and Ben Koyak. He's apparently he still plays for the team. Isn't oh, Josh, Koyak isn't, is still around. Isn't Josh Oliver supposed to be good, though, when he eventually comes back? Like, I, I don't really know anything about him. I know he's a super rook, but he's just been hurt. He was essentially the number one wide receiver in college for his team. So, like, that's what he is, though. It's similar to Noah Fant and you know, all these other ones that are receiving first and not that much of a pass block. But at the same time, he's still a rookie tight end. I mean, we're seeing with TJ Hawkinson, despite being an amazing all-around tight end. I, it takes I think Hawkinson has dropped seven touchdowns this year. That's how it feels like watching these games. <laughs> he's had some of the issues himself, but there's another one. I, I, again, this is not like trying to pimp myself out or anything like this, but I was tweeting about it earlier because I was watching NFL Network while I was working out, and Charlie Casterly was talking about Joe Flacco and the way to stop him and you know get him under pressure. And he was breaking down this play with Noah Fant breaking to the outside. And I brought this up for the rookie tight end purposes. Is like that play that he's – go to my Twitter feed. You'll see it because I just videoed it and put it out. Put it out. You put it, <laughs> put it out. out. Yeah, smart move. Yeah. Uh, so when you watch it is no offense breaking outside. It's out to the left and he makes a gigantic over-exaggerated plant step, which already slowed him down a little bit. And as a rookie, and this was the point I'm bringing up, the quarterback doesn't have a hundred percent confidence in that you're going to be where you need to be. And that exaggerated step also made Joe Flacco think for a second, he might not be where I need to throw the ball. And then the DB was coming down, dropping down into coverage over top of it. We could easily undercut him. I bring all that up because Fant is, better than Josh Oliver. He's 
easily was the best receiving tight end in this draft class. But this is why we see this in the NFL. This is why we see rookie tight ends take a while because there's things like that, that rookie wide receivers do the exact same thing is there's learning where to be is learning to turn your head just that half second earlier. So the quarterback knows you're going to be where he needs to throw the ball. And that's why sometimes that target never even happened where an experienced tight end, that ball is out there and it actually turns into a reception. Hawkinson is eighth in the NFL in targets inside the 10 yard line so far this season. And he is eighth in targets inside the 20 yard line so far this season. How many drops? Uh, I believe all of them, except for one, the one <laughs> touchdown that he caught. <laughs> like guy, Stop switching to me while I'm scratching myself. <laughs> no, no. Every time that, that's part of the rules. I told Paul, anytime you're scratching yourself, no matter where it is on your body, quick cut to you. <laughs> So I think Hawkinson is just sort of like a tight end or bust type play at this point. Oh, definitely. But he's fringe tight end one conversation because of how bad the position is now that we've also lost Disley on top of it. Yeah. Any, any like, do you think Luke Wilson gets some run here as the tight end one with Seattle now? Mm, I mean, he'll probably, but that one feels more like a chasing one that you're kind of trying to chase the games where he's there and where he's not. I'd rather just take the chance on Dawson Knox, who a lot of people dropped because the bills were on by. Yeah, Dawson Knox is all right. Good athlete, Dawson Knox. He got a lot of power. Good actor. There's an actor named Dawson Knox? No, Dawson's Creek. Never mind. This is why I don't do nicknames. Jake. (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) Defenses for week seven. You know the Niners are available in like 45% of leagues? Are they really? Yeah. How? I don't know. They won't be after a waiver is clear because they're the number one defense of the week against the Skins. I think the Niners, New England, and Buffalo, the clear one, two, three this week. Then I went with Jacksonville, New Orleans, the Chiefs, the Giants, the Packers, the Bears, and the Lions. I just, Kyler outdoors, he might put up 40 points, but he might get sacked eight times as well. But they just run so many, they run so many plays. They run so many pass plays. uh, And the Giants aren't horrible at getting pressure. They're not great at getting pressure, but they're also not horrible at it. They're they're getting slightly better, but they're still in the middle of a three four transition, and that's still not that good. I mean, no. That transition started started I think last year, and there's still nothing because the pieces just aren't there. No, but even like against someone like the Packers, who could have a good game against Derek Carr, but you know that Oakland is going to mainly try to run the ball. You know that they're going to throw very high percentage, like not low a dot passes, and those aren't really conducive with defensive fantasy points. You need to get them get yourself into a really good game script with Arizona. Like they're going to continue to pass because apparently they can't run the ball whatsoever. No. And you know what, for all the people that might be thinking like, ah, I don't really know if I want to make the switch. Like maybe you have the Packers defense after last week and you're thinking about whole, like, to your point of the Giants, well, go look at the Packers next two games too. It's at Chiefs and at Chargers. So you don't even really want to hold them anyway. I mean, that's, you could probably use them against the Chargers. Hmm, maybe. I don't know if I, I, that's, that's, I don't trust it. Still, it still seems like you're, you're sipping on the Chargers Kool-Aid a little bit. I just, I'm not ready to like, burn them to the ground at this point of the season already they need to get everyone back like until they start actually getting people like hunter henry that's step one that's nice and everything there's like seven more guys that need to come back for them before they're like good again hunter henry concerns me a little bit for keenan allen going forward because keenan allen was kind of in that it's kind of like the Devonte adams thing if everybody was healthy and Devonte adams isn't getting his 10 plus targets per game keenan allen if he's not getting 10 plus targets just look at the last three games and that was before the two before hunter henry came back Hunter Henry's out there, and Mike Williams is healthy, and Melvin Gordon is now back into the fold. I just, again, Keenan Allen's still a wide receiver one. I just would be concerned about him being that top five wide receiver that we were seeing through the first three weeks. Yeah, I can see that as well. Like once you started like taking away all of the options, it all started with that Miami game. They won by too much, and then Keenan Allen got kind of phased out of it. But <laughs> they were at least more successful when he was a bigger part of their offensive game plan. Maybe the other teams are just like, hey, if we just take away Keenan Allen, they legit can't do anything. No, I didn't even notice till now that you put Weber Cook for for Jared because he's always in worst place. He's Weber Cooks, the world's saddest man. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. All right, Jake Seeley. Anything else? Any sleeper defense we should think about, or that's it? Mm, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's actually matchup wise. There's not even a ton. Where's you? Have, see, you have all the. You're. I told you this last. Two weeks. You're good at doing defenses. You're really good at doing defenses. And I mean, there's nobody here that's you don't have mentioned already. Yeah, even like the scummier ones like Kansas City. I think Kansas City's completely viable against Denver here. All they need to do is get up to a 10 nothing lead on Thursday night. And then the floodgates just open, even though they suck on defense. For Joe Flacco, yeah. Yeah. 
All right. That's that'll just... do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. Jake, at Allen Kid on Twitter, The Athletic. What you got coming out this week? Give us, I know you teased a little bit with D'Angelo Williams on the podcast. What else can we expect tomorrow? Oh, yeah. He talked about his London trip because he was out there as a representative for the Panthers and talked about vision. Oh, oh like, like he, he went to England. He didn't just hang out with London Fletcher. No, no, he actually went to England. He was the representative. He was on both sidelines. He talks about how athletes even get that whole superstar treatment of like when somebody's like, oh, it's been a long time. We should hang out. And you just you have to listen to it for that. Talk about going to Stonehenge and driving on the wrong side of the road and all that type of stuff. It was a good conversation. And then, as I mentioned, we talked about Lamar Jackson. Of course, rankings out 1201 tonight, as everybody should know by now. And here's the simplest thing the throwback podcast, all in sports podcast, all that stuff. I do the same thing you do. I just tweet it out a million times. And that's probably why a lot of people don't follow me because they don't want to see it tweeted a million times. A lot of people do follow you. You have like 70,000 followers or something. No, that many. You have 60. I just looked at you. You have 63,000 followers. A lot of people, Jake. Don't, don't, uh, probably, don't tell yourself uh, pr- short. I'd probably have a hundred if I wasn't so ornery on Twitter. Maybe so. Uh, anyway, at all in kid, if you don't follow Jake, give your head a shake and go figure that out. Now I told you about the giveaways. I told you to play in the Pat Mayo experience listeners league. The link is in the description, this video and podcast, just like the rankings, just like all the other stuff. You can always find everything on DKPlaybook.com. Uh, of course, get into the three giveaways I told you about, and especially the audio podcast one. We got to juice those numbers up, just like following me on Instagram, because we need to juice those numbers up as well. The video doing great. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. Good luck in week seven. I'll see you next time. The headlines remind us daily: the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com